0: In three,
1: two, one. We're back here on First Lady and Friends. Uh, we have a guest that I met re- recently. Uh, her name is Kara Bachman. She is the Food Security Program Coordinator, Student Nutrition Access Center, or the SNAC at Utah State University. Go Aggies! We had a great visit when we came up there, and uh, welcome to the show, Kara.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for having me
1: here. Yeah, we're excited. Um, we were just blown away by what you were doing up there, and and you know, of course, we wouldn't expect anything different than awesomeness at Utah State. So <laughs> that's uh, that's what we saw. Um, talk a little bit before we get into all the things that you're doing and the incredible work that's going on up there at the Student Center, the Student Nutrition Access Center, or SNAC. Um, let's just talk about you. Uh, tell me about where you grew up and a little yeah. bit about your family. Yeah.
0: So I kind of grew up all over. Um originally born in California um, and uh, kind of moved a lot of different places. Um, Bountiful, Utah, um, Lafayette, Indiana, and ended up in Cedar City, Utah for um, since I was about 11. And then I came to school. I'm at Utah State um, for my undergrad, and I'm there for my graduate degree right now. So um, I think Utah's still my home. Uh, my father lives in California, and my mother lives um, in Cache Valley. Mm-hmm. So I, I've been living in Cache Valley for the last five years. I'm doing my master's in public health. Uh, I love all things nutrition, public health uh, social justice issues, um, like addressing those, um, trying to think of what else I, I, uh, love to swim and bike and jog and do yoga. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about me. I love it. So talk, so you, you, do you have siblings? So, I have uh, three half-siblings and two step-siblings. So, I am the only child from my biological
1: parents. Oh, fantastic. Okay. So, uh, so dad's in California and mom's in Cache Valley. So, you're close. Are you with her or are you... No, I live in an apartment. In apartment? Yeah, yep. that's yep. perfect. <laughs> <laughs> you you got to have a little space and especially, you know, as you're... As you're adulting and and doing all those things, that's really cool. Um, uh, What kinds of work um, inspired, you know, or what kinds of experiences maybe as a child that inspired like what you ended up doing, um, you know, in the nutrition program and um, in in the work that you're doing now? So
0: uh, I went to high school in Cedar City. I went to Cedar High. And I graduated in 2017. Um, at the time, it was we, I graduated as a Redmond. Mm-hmm. So this was before... Um, <laughs> the name the, change. The name change. Um, and when I went to high school there, I was really involved with family and consumer sciences. I graduated as the Sterling Scholar for family and consumer sciences and was focused a lot on nutrition. Uh, and... That's kind of like where it all started. So I came to college studying um, nutrition and dietetics. Uh, I got involved with the pantry because there is this banner on the first floor of the student center that I, I remember the color of the banner. It was yellow. And it said something like, if you're interested in reducing food waste, come to this meeting and We'll talk more about how you can be involved and recover unsold food mm-hmm. from restaurants. And so I went to this meeting, and that's kind of how I got started. Mm-hmm. I mean, I met volunteers who were picking up food on campus. They were using a bike with a trailer, hauling food around campus and bringing it, bringing it to the food pantry. We would get, uh, you know, upwards of two hundred pounds a day of unsold food, and we would sort it and repackage it into portion sizes for. Um, those who are using the pantry. So I was an AmeriCorps intern for about two years in my undergrad. And then um, I took a little bit of a break from being involved with the pantry and worked at a local restaurant. And then I was elected as the Student Association Service Vice President. And I continued to work with the food pantry Um, In kind of a different capacity through COVID. It was kind of crazy through COVID. So I was helping one of my friends who was the director run the pantry. And when I graduated with my um, undergrad, uh, a position had opened to uh, be the food security program coordinator. And so I applied and I got hired and that's where I am now. Um, There's definitely been a lot of changes since... I went to that first meeting in 2017. Um, we have a much larger space in the pantry. We have much... Uh, what's what's the way to say this? Uh, more usage. Mm. So um, most recently we've had almost 3,000 visits a month oh. um, to our food pantry. And um, when I started, I think it was less than 1,000 a month. So there's been significant growth Um but we're still working on recovering all that food that is not sold or used, and um,
1: using that in our pantry. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's so fascinating, and um, I, I, it's a story that is not unfamiliar. When you know, when I've gone around the state in the last little while, in the last couple of years, really, um, the uptick in the need. Uh, for for food services and and food pantries all over the state and i am sure all over the country i don't think we're unique to that um i know that utah state obviously is is really tied into um the the farmers and ranchers around and I'm, i'm wondering did you did did your organization do much around the farmers feeding utah and the things that were going on with them
0: yeah, that's a good question. So that was led, I believe, mostly by Heidi LeBlanc, okay. um, with USU Extension and Create Better Health. So I did. I was involved in some way. I did go and volunteer at some of them, but it was uh, definitely headed by a different group of individuals at Utah State.
1: Yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about maybe why, because you you talked about social justice and some of the other things that really interest you. Um, talk a little bit about why you think there has been this uptick. Obviously, there's COVID yeah. um, in there, but what what other things do you think are contributing to some of the the increase in need um, for the for food services and food pantries?
0: Yeah, that's a really great question. I think I don't have a solid answer, but I think there are a lot of things contributing to the increase in numbers that we're seeing. Um, I think awareness of the pantry. We moved in 2018 to a m- more prominent location that has more traffic. Uh, and I think that the need has potentially increased. I also have been thinking recently that there's there's been a stigma maybe in the generation above me about a rite of passage in higher education. So Uh, this idea that you will eat ramen for every
1: meal. (laughs) Starving student.
0: (laughs) Yes. And you will have spaghetti and marinara sauce and you will have rice and soy sauce for your time at college. And I think that uh, there are people now, faculty, staff, students, who want to break that stigma and say, We are human beings and we have the right to have access to basic needs. Mm -hmm. And so not that our pantry provides anything spectacular like filet mignon or (laughs) salmon or uh, wild rice or any of anything that is uh, particularly like special. Mm -hmm. But I think that like I was saying, this, this stigma is being challenged. Mm. And so students are becoming more aware of what they should have access to. Mm. And so at our pantry, we don't ask any questions. And I think that's pretty common at other higher ed institutions in the state of Utah. We mostly, well, we require our visitors to our pantry to um give us their student id number and that's how we track information um but we never use like identifiable information um so it's kind of hard for me to say like what exactly is the demographic okay um but i do know that um graduate students are a population that we need to focus on more um Because oftentimes graduate students aren't paid a living, living stipend when they're in their graduate assistantship or they are a a TA or whatever whatever they are contracted to do, and at the same time it's challenging for them to get another job. So oftentimes these individuals make less than twenty thousand dollars a year Mm -hmm. and can't. I don't want to say the word can't, but. it's, it's more challenging for them to get a second job. And so I think we have caught on to the graduate students and they know that we exist mm. because we're in a more prominent location and they've spread the awareness to their friends and cohorts. And so I think that's a population that we've seen increase and um, be very vocal about their needs.
1: Mm. Talk a little bit more about the the pantry itself. And so you're, you're seeing uh, all all students, you, you we don't so there's not general public doesn't use that correct food pantry, so it's just it's just all students. Talk a little bit about you know maybe some of the other programs or or um, things that are going on. I mean, when we were there, I was just of course my heart just blossomed with joy because <laughs> I met some of my friends of determination there who were um, assisting. Uh, and working in the pantry yeah. um, these are our, our friends with all different abilities and they were uh, it was just really great and so I know you have that sort of a program but you have some other things going on there as well
0: yeah yeah that's a great um, question so you asked about um, like what are other things that are going on like potentially collaborations programming things we're doing so um our pantry is open four days a week for 15 hours a week. Um, and like I said, we don't ask any questions. And um, like you mentioned, we do have um, students with disabilities aged 18 to 22 who work with us. We love having them at our pantry. Um, they work at our pantry to learn job skills um, with their job coach so that they can enter the workforce um, prepared. Um to work in whatever job they'd like to do. Um, And a lot of our students working with us are interested in working in food service, um, organizing things, um, or they just want to give something a try. Mm. Um, At this time, we're also working with nutrition students, um, working on recipes, volunteer management, um, raising awareness about food insecurity. And we're also working with public health master... graduate students in public health um, interested in understanding more about why um, food insecurity exists. We also have partnerships with um, local businesses um, and of course we work with the Utah Food Bank and our local food pantry, the Cash Community Food Pantry. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we are pretty uh, involved in the community. People do know about us, that we exist, but I think that we would still love to be more involved with with people and, um, be more than a pantry in some way.
1: Mm. Yeah. I like that. Um, I want to continue this conversation and talk about, you know, what's next for the, for, for snack and, and your involvement there. And we'll do that when we come right back. We're back here on First Lady and Friends with Kara Bogman. She is the Food Security Program Coordinator at SNAC, Student Nutrition Access Center at Utah State University. Um we've we've been we've been talking about the general need and, and the things that are going on at, at SNAC and talk a little bit more. I mean, we've seen this all over the the state. Most colleges have some kind of food pantry or Um, food services organization that are helping this have what have you seen and are you have you been able to kind of collaborate with some of those other universities
0: yeah that's a great question Uh, we are well connected with each other I do want to be better connected with them but we are aware of the other pantries at other institutions and we um, interestingly enough, we come together every year for a food summit, and that's actually tomorrow oh, at UVU. Great. So we're really excited to go to that. Um, but the uh, things that we're seeing at our pantry are not unique to Utah State University. They are at um, Weber State, at the U, at uh, UVU, at SUU, at Dixie, at Snow College. I'm a little bit unfamiliar with BYU, yeah. but I can only imagine that they are experiencing similar things, um, and also uh, Westminster. Yeah. Um, and I'm like I said, I'm more familiar with these larger public institutions, but the technical colleges also are um, beginning to uh, address food insecurity at those institutions
1: as well. Why do you think it's important to have? that kind of access at the school when i was there i i wouldn't have even thought to go to a food pantry i mean thankfully i don't i didn't find myself in a situation where i was gonna go hungry or whatever but like i did live on really cheap food yeah (laughs) um and so i mean why do you what what do you why do you think it's so important to have those there at the universities?
0: Yeah, I think a, a university is a community within a community, mm. and uh, often students uh, move to a different location to go to college, um, and it's always nice to know the resources that are within your community at your institution, and so at least for in you know our pantry and in our community um, in Logan and Cache Valley, um, our local food pantry. Um, does not allow students without dependents to go to the pantry. And so that's why our pantry exists. And it's not it's not for any bad reason. it's it's because any student would be eligible and they cannot handle that um, that amount of individuals needing assistance. And so that's why we exist.
1: That's really interesting. So so you coordinate with the local food pantries. Yeah. But providing that for students makes it just a little bit of a a less of a burden for the local yeah. food pantries. Is that what you're yeah. is that what I'm hearing you say? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. And so we pick up about two thousand pounds of food from them a week. Um, and bring that back to our pantry, along with other donations and things. But one nice thing about having a pantry on a campus is that we're able to um, give and provide uh, like portion sizes. So when people go to the community food pantry, they get a grocery cart full or more, depending on how many individuals are in their family um, or household. I should say household. Um, And... Our pantry is located in a place where there's not free parking. And so many individuals walk home with their groceries in their backpack or in a reusable bag. And so I can only imagine that it would be challenging if a student were tried to go home with the amount of food that the community pantry offers. Mm. So, for example, they may say, well, we have a a five-pound log of ground beef but we don't provide five pound logs of ground beef at our pantry. We provide one pound logs of ground beef. Mm-hmm. So something that's more manageable and keeping in mind that students usually have roommates. And so they can't take home a large grocery um, cart full of food. And so I think that's another really great benefit of having the pantry on our campus. Um, of course, I'm I'm sure that many students would love to have a huge grocery cart full of food that <laughs> is um, at no cost to them. But, I think that it's it works well for us because our our patrons can come once a week, and so they can get you know supplemental supplementary food for a week. Whereas the cash community food pantry, you can only go twice a month, oh, okay. and so it's a larger amounts. And so I think um, those are some benefits to having a food pantry on a, on an institutional level.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, there's there's just so much surrounding this issue, and it's it's really hard, and when we can't just look at insecurity, food insecurity as, and we have to address that, um, but there's so much else going on. Usually, if if somebody's having food insecurity, talk a little bit about maybe some of the other services. I mean, know we have snack there at Utah State, but there's also a lot of other. Um, services maybe that are tied to food insecurity, but aren't exactly food insecurity. Talk a little bit about some of the other um, services that are there.
0: I'm glad you asked that question. Uh, We just put together a basic needs website uh, that's linked to our pantry because of that reason. Um, So our institution, um, Utah State University, Logan, and statewide campuses have a level of food insecurity among students at 38%. So this means that um, students don't have access to enough nutritious food, also including culturally appropriate food and medically necessary food. In that survey, they also looked to see um, other basic needs and how how maybe they were connected, um, and like like you asked, what are other things that come along with not having enough food? So they looked at childcare, um, health care, health insurance, um, transportation, housing, and um, like healthy relationships. Um, and all of those things are definitely tied to uh, food insecurity and maybe v- and vice versa. So our basic needs website outlines other resources in the community. So we have some really great community partners and campus partners. Uh, for example, there's lots of places in Cache Valley that um, you can get on a list to receive um, free or low cost childcare. Mm. It can be a very long waiting list, but yes. it, there are options. Um, there's also options for individuals who are unsheltered or homeless. Um, and we're really excited to have a warming center that mm. is um, uh, being put together by a social work student, Nicole Bernard. Um and this will be open in the winter months for individuals who are unsheltered um, or homeless, and um then we have uh, the Cash Valley Transit um and they offer free, we have free um like a free bus system in our community, so we we outline that and um, also talk about um, like healthy relationships and if you need help um, through CAPSA or Savvy at our institution um and then i think i'm missing oh there's lots of options for health care and health insurance for students and so we talk about that but we know that there are still gaps especially for students who are um international or undocumented mm-hmm. because they are not eligible for um federal programs right. and so we know that there are still gaps in our community that we're trying to identify and fill
1: mm-hmm yeah so important so very important um talk about um food recovery and gleaning this this yeah. sort of uh, program and and I know a little bit my my sister who lives in Arizona they have you know they come in and they they pick all the all the citrus down in Arizona the the you know the oranges and the grapefruit and everything and then my sister always like you need to come down cuz then they go <laughs> do the gleaning which is it, So correct me if I'm wrong, gleaning and food recovery, I think, is that idea of like just there's so much left over once those pickings have come through or, you know, harvesting happens. There's so much that goes to waste that's still sitting there. So talk a little bit about that and and how you're using that.
0: Yeah. So um, at our institution, we have we we are part of the National Food Recovery Network. And so we have a chapter at Utah State, and then we also have a gleaning program. Um, and like you mentioned, you are correct. Um, <laughs> it is um, picking the excess uh, produce or grain, um, and they're, you know, they're very similar. Food recovery also can be known as like food rescue or grocery rescue, and then gleaning. Um, so gleaning dates back, um, hundreds of years ago.
1: Well, it was in the Bible. So I mean, if we know our Bible stories of, of Ruth and Esther, like that's, that's, you know, I think a lot of us are familiar with that story. So we know how that worked.
0: Yeah. And so that still exists today, but it's not always, um, well, not, not every community has programs like that, but it has been successful in many parts of the state of Utah um, and, you know, across the country, like you were saying, in Arizona. And they do it all year round in Arizona. It's so incredible. Uh, but in Cache Valley, we pick residential fruit trees and gardens with gleaning from July t- through October. And so um, the program started in 2019. Um, my friend and I started it in our undergrad and this is the fourth year it's been going, so we're really excited that we've been able to do that. Um, and that produce that we pick, um, part of it goes to our campus food pantry snack, and then part of it goes to the community food pantry. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really great. And then the food recovery aspect, um, we pick up dining services food from our campus, so bread, pastries, um, extra catering food. You know, if a group orders more than show up, then we receive the extra. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also um, go to some restaurants in Cache Valley. Mm-hmm. And then the f- local food pantry, they go to the grocery stores and pick up their extra dairy, meat, mm-hmm. and produce. And so um, between the both of us, we, we managed to hopefully pick up most of the food that would have gone to waste um, and provide that to people who – um, would otherwise not have access to those foods.
1: That is so great, and and I because I remember there were some laws a while ago where you you weren't allowed like you had to throw that stuff away, which I think is insanity. And I, so I'm I'm so happy to see some of that changing. I mean, I know a lot of grocery stores they'll you know we have expiration dates coming up. We don't think we're going to sell these, so then we can get them out the door. And otherwise, food that would have just been thrown away. Is going to people that actually really need it, so I, I think that's such a great program. Um, we we've talked a little bit about who who is accessing these things, um, and talk a little bit maybe about the why. I mean, I know it's it's probably hard to pinpoint. We talked a little bit about this, but why do you think um, you know? People are feeling or are seeing more food insecurity. Why do you think um, these programs are so important right now?
0: Yeah, that's a really great question. I think um, there's definitely not one answer, but um, going to college is a time in many people's lives where expenses can be high and higher than the income that they are bringing in. Mm -hmm. And so I think... I've heard the stories of a handful of students and I think that they are doing their best to um, access the programs that they are eligible for. Um, but you know, to give you an example, let's say a student makes uh, actually this is this is a real example. I won't use their name, but they they were an international student with um, a spouse who, um, did not have a work visa and a baby boy who was maybe a year and a half old. And um, her graduate assistantship brought in $1,200 a month and their rent was 900 mm. And so they were left with $300 a month to pay for all their other expenses. And so without access to a pantry, um, I don't know how they would have made it through. Mm. And so I think it's only getting worse with, um, you know, rent increasing, the cost of food increasing. And, you know, I think it's not going to stop. And so I think that's why food pantries exist. And we also need to watch out for our neighbor. Food pantries do the best they can, but we can't, we don't have eyes in every corner of everyone's home saying, well, like, this is when you should come to the pantry. Um, This is, You know why we exist. I think that we need to be watching out for our neighbors. Who? um, How can we help them? And what resources do we know about that um, they may be eligible for or could use? So I'm not. I'm not sure exactly what everyone's situation is, but I know it has to do a lot with finances and how students are paid. um, And uh, this time in their lives when they're trying to make it to the next step, so that they can make more money long-term, and so it's this kind of chronic state of uh, lack of income and high expenses. Yeah,
1: Yeah. no, that makes a lot of sense, and I think any of us that have been students before uh, feel it in our bones when you say (laughs) these things, Yeah, Um, because, and, and, you know, when I was a student, um, the wages were, you know, they were fine, but the tuition wasn't nearly what it, what it is now and I don't think wages have kept up with what you know kind of tuition increases yeah. and the expenses and yeah. housing expenses and these kinds of things. I yeah. mean Spencer and I I remember we used to get the newspaper cuz he's that kind of person <laughs> as a student yeah. got a newspaper <laughs> That was one weird expense we had but it wasn't that much <laughs> but i remember the coupons in there and in logan there was a little shack a little like hamburger shack that was called central park i don't think it's still there um but it was kind of like in a parking lot it was like maybe before foods tr- food trucks were cool but like they you would get the i would get this coupon from the in the newspaper that was like two hamburgers and two french fries for $2 and so just, we would go <laughs> and get this i don't think it was real hamburger i'm just here to say um, i don't know what kind of meat it was um but that i mean we just lived on really crappy food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, i wasn't hearing Josh
0: laugh over there. <laughs> I and I just can't help but think that <laughs> it would be crazy if food was that inexpensive and maybe um, a food pantry may not have to exist. But I think yeah. that we're always going to be um, rooting for, for people to um, have access to basic needs, especially food, as it's so necessary for everyday life yeah. and especially for other populations outside of um Students in higher education, you know, we see it among children, um, among um, adults and older adults. And it's not something that um, is just within one population. It reaches everyone. And I um, just hope that um, people can understand that um, we're in it together and um, to reach out if you see someone um, who's struggling and let them know of resources or help in whatever way you can personally. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I it's so great and such good advice for us to to really look around us and see see where the needs are and how we can how we can help and connect people to resources. Um when we come back, I want to talk about how how you see um maybe the mindset changing or is it changing around um you know, the stigma of accessing these kinds of services. And we'll do that when we come right back. Yeah. Okay. Three, two, one. Back here with Kara Bachman uh, from the Food Security Program. Um, she's the coordinator at the Student Nutrition Access Center, or what we like to call SNAC at Utah State University. Um, doing incredible work there and just really proud of of your program and everything that's going on there. Um, now i gr- I grew up in a in an in a family and in an area where um, asking for help was was not considered um, great. <laughs> it was not something you know it was it was a pride thing it was a you know conservative thing like we want to you know pull ourselves up and do do what we can for ourselves and and you know thankfully i didn't experience food insecurity growing up because um I, i lived on a ranch and so even though you know at one point my dad lost his job um he had started a company that 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 went bankrupt and so um but I, I imagine a world where I didn't have that farm and that happened and I would be in a position, you know, but for the grace of God, go any of us. What do you think? Do you think that's changing? Do you think that mindset's changing? I think in Utah, particularly, that's been a mindset in the past. Do you think that is changing? And um, if not, how, how do we get that to change?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, <clears throat> I have only been around for,
1: you know, 24 years, so I'm not really <laughs> sure. Um, I know you you had internet and whatnot from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but
0: I think, you know, I've been working with the food pantry for five years and I I do think the students are more willing to ask for help, especially because of COVID, mm. Um, because COVID-19 at least took me by surprise. I I'd never lived in a pandemic before and none of us
1: really have.
0: And so I think that maybe we're all aware of potentially the unexpected and we're willing to say, okay, I can see I'm struggling. I know I'm going to have to ask for help, um, or it might, things might get worse, So before someone has an empty cupboard and empty fridge, they're saying, "Okay, in two weeks, um, we may not have enough. And so we're going to start looking for options and we're going to start reaching out for help. We're going to find someone in the community who knows about resources. We're going to do some Googling. We're going to talk to um, our therapist or our advisor and we're going to say, hey, these are things I'm dealing with. Do you know of anyone who can help? And so I think, um, you know, just since COVID-19 was a reality, I think people are more willing to say in the next whatever time period, I know I'm going to need help. And so I'm asking you to give me resources
1: um, and options for me to access help. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's it's really good, and I think you know even just food insecurity is one thing, and again, it's it's usually tied to a lot of other things. Um, and then you know even the mental health aspect, I think that people are starting to destigmatize mental health, and as a result, we're destigmatizing. I think anytime we need help in some way, and I think that's a really good thing. Um, I think people are starting to realize that we're all in this together, I hope. I mean, I'm seeing it. Or is that what you're seeing among students as well?
0: Yeah. And I think that we need to be willing to say like or willing to see and say that we don't have the answers for everything, but maybe other people do. Mm -hmm. And to stop being silent about the things that we're going through or experiencing And not that we have to show the whole world what's going on in our life, but saying, you know, to our peers or colleagues or um, our physician or a therapist and say, you know, this is the reality of the situation. Um, And, you know, whether it's mental health or physical challenges or... um, You know, anything in our lives, we can be a little bit more open about it. And so people know that we might need a little extra support. We may need to know about, like I said, resources that can be of help to us.
1: Mm -hmm. I love that. Um let's in the last few minutes that we have here let's talk a little bit more about you, Kara. Okay. <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about um what are what are your plans for the future? You're in graduate school now. Yeah. Um talk a little bit about, you know, why you chose this program and maybe what you what you see in the future for yourself.
0: Yeah. So, I am in my third semester of my public health program at Utah State. Um, I am really passionate about, like I said, all things food nutrition, um, healthy relationships, um, and really anything that has to do with public health, just making sure the community, um, is, is accessing the things they need to live like their best life. I recently, um, I, I started a class in August called the the social determinants of health Mm. And it's really like shaped how I think about society and people and the family structure I grew up in and my experiences and how it shaped maybe my health outcomes. And so I think it's given me a new perspective on um, the, the experiences other people have. And so I want to um, put in my best effort to ensure that other people have the best opportunity they have to live their life to the fullest mm. um and so that's kind of like what I'm interested in and I really loved my my um, master's program and um I'm excited to continue and graduate yeah someday
1: <laughs> I love do you what kinds of um career opportunities do you see coming out of this program
0: yeah. So I also hope to become a dietitian at some okay. point. Yep. So I kind of want to test out the waters of, you know, working in the clinical setting. I'm passionate about dietetics because I really like the pre- preventative work mm-hmm. that is done um, with food and how it impacts our health. Um, but probably most interested in, you know, working for a public health department when working with um, – any of the programs that um, are run through the Farm Bill, so you know SNAP benefits, um, the Child Nutrition Programs. Um, there's a many other programs, but any of those that really impact millions of people. Yeah. Um, so doing work outside of the emergency assistance food programs that really um, are not. I don't want to say more beneficial, but um, can do a better job of allowing individuals to choose the foods they want to eat. Mm. Um, so overall, I'm interested in my future career of doing something with you know more nutrition, dietetics related, preventative health work, um, working with the community and then um, just ensuring that not only that I have the best um, access to like uh, my basic needs, but also that people around me do.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, I have a sister that's went through the dietetics program at Utah State and loves her work and does a lot of work with uh, the county health department, um, working in hospitals and and things like that to really help people figure out their nutrition needs. And it's really great. She loves it. Um, uh, Before we let you go, just tell me a little bit about what you you talked about. You like to run. You like to be outdoors. You like to do things. Uh, Are you a reader? Do you, do you love yeah. reading? I know in college I didn't read uh-huh. a ton for fun when I was in school, but um what's what's maybe something you're reading currently or something that's maybe a favorite favorite book that you've loved?
0: Oh yeah. There's this book called How the Other Half Eats. And okay. it kind of took me aback um you know because I've lived what I would say is a privileged life. Yeah. Um I didn't experience food insecurity growing up. Um and I I don't think my close group of friends did either. And so, you know, being um a cis white woman, I um feel very privileged that I don't, you know, have these social norms pushing against who I am. Um and this book, How the Other Half Eats, kind of points out, in like deer in the headlights, like what what I didn't experience. Right. And so it was kind of like all these puzzle pieces in my life were kind of like hit with alternative puzzle pieces in someone else else's life. And so wow. it was just like a really neat experience to read this book and. Um, realize that I am like absolutely privileged to live the life that I have and other people don't have that opportunity um, because of um, things in our society that inhibit that
1: yeah yeah I I guess that's why I, I always ask about books because I I think for me books are a way to experience something like that that I've yeah. never experienced and I I, I just think it's for me, the most valuable, you know, one of the most valuable things that I have in my life is is really the the, the um, opportunity to, you know, we all can't experience everything and nor do we want to necessarily. I mean, it, it's interesting and, and we want to, that creates empathy. Um, and so I, I, I love that you read that and had that experience with the book um, that I kind of something I've had uh, many, many times over yeah. when I read about different different stories and for people um kara this has been just really wonderful and again just had a great visit with you up at utah state we would love to come back another time and if anybody wants to go visit um snack there at at utah state uh, kara and her team would be uh, great hosts and you can visit um, with the people that are doing incredible work up there so thank you again kara for being here today yeah thank you so much Go, oh, three, two, one. Today's conversation was with Kara Bachman. She is the Food Security Program Coordinator at the Student Nutrition Access Center, or SNAC, at Utah State University. We met Kara a few months ago, and we're completely impressed with what she's doing. Uh, she's young, she's intelligent, and really passionate about the work that she's doing. I uh, Hope you enjoyed the conversation. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Let's get proximate. Oh, sorry. Um you can let's see. Sorry. You can find snack at usu.edu/snack in sorry. One more time. You can find snack at su- s <laughs> You can find more information about these programs at usu.edu SNAC. Thanks for being a friend.